Hello and welcome to episode two of the Rain City Bunker podcast. This is your host, Greg Moon. I'm with Andy Brown. Hello. And just want to thank everyone for uh, checking out the podcast. And we've had some pretty good feedback. Just want to thank everyone for that. And we are open to criticism, so don't be shy. And uh, also want to give you a quick update on the website. We've added RSS so you can be notified of uh, uh, new podcasts as they occur. And also we've created a blog on the Google Blogspot location. It has links, too. And it has links. We have links on the website to the blog. And um, here's Andy. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Um, we just wrapped up our first interview uh, with Eric Miller, the author of Passion for Murder, uh, his book about Freud. And uh, I think you'll find it pretty interesting. Uh, we had a blast doing it. It came out pretty well, we think. Um, yeah, so I want to add my thanks to Greg's thanks for everybody who checked out our, our first show. And we're still working through some details. They're still going to find some odd things that we're trying to improve. Like, for example, I think we may have uh, kind of strange audio on the, the, the uh, interview. The, uh, our guest had great sound. We might be on there just mono. And uh, please, on, right <laughs> on the right side of your head. So uh, hopefully we'll be able to resolve that, but uh, we'll see. Um, so uh, we're just going to do a little quick thing before we get into the interview. Um, today, uh, Greg and I and a couple of our friends went to uh, Seattle's Comic-Con, and it was a blast. Uh, I don't know, you had a good time? You're I not had even... a good time. That was my first Comic-Con. It was a lot of fun. I'm not really into comic books, but there's a lot of sci-fi stuff, which I really enjoyed. And when we got there, I looked through the uh, schedule of events, and Will Wheaton, who is the uh, head star on Star Trek Enterprise, on oh, no, Star Trek The Next Generation, which I loved in the late 80s and early to mid-90s, and I said I suggested that we go check he it played, out. Uh, oh, sorry, Greg. He played uh, Wesley Crusher, for those people who don't know, recognize the name. So we, we went and checked him out at 2 o'clock, and Will Wheaton is a heck of a funny guy, well-spoken. I, I really enjoyed myself. Yeah, I, I, I thought he was hilarious because, well, if people who are familiar with that show, um, Wesley, Crusher, Wesley Crusher was not the most popular part of that show. And uh, Will Wheaton has a, just an incredible sense of humor about that. And, and I mean this in the best way. He's a total nerd. Like he's totally into gaming and Dungeons and Dragons and sci-fi, and it's just really refreshing to see just kind of a down-to-earth guy like that. So we're gonna put a link to his blogs and what other other materials he yeah. has on our his website. blog. Actually, I believe I I think it was this year won some sort of award. I believe it was for the best celebrity blog, and I can see why he has outstanding sense of humor. He's humble. He doesn't have the grandiose uh, star thing. I guess he's not a big star. <laughs> But he's, he described himself more as an author, a blogger. Uh, he does some voice work for uh, animated films. Free, game, free, game, free games and uh, some animation. And I guess uh, most recently he was on um, Family Guy. I think they had the entire cast of uh, Next Generation on there. And uh, I have not seen it. I'm not a big fan of Family Guy. Um, I'm not really a fan of Family Guy at all. But I will watch that one because that sounds funny. And... Uh, like I said, he was cool. But uh, so we're gonna we're gonna keep the intro to this part to the this podcast pretty short because we want to get right into the interview and it's kind of a long interview. Um, so everybody, uh, some of this stuff might be a little uh, rough because uh, uh, Eric Miller has some kind of uh, controversial uh, theories about Freud. Um, but we just want to warn people up uh, up front that every once in a while our podcast might get a little adult uh, uh, and uh, might, you know, not hor- PG-13. PG-13. I, I don't think we hit th- uh, R-rated, but uh, <laughs> you may not want to let children under 13 listen to it <laughs> by themselves. <laughs> but how can you stop them? It's the internet. <laughs> so anyways, uh, coming, up, coming up next is our interview with Eric Miller, the author of Passion for Murder. All right. This portion of our Rain City Bunker podcast, we're talking to Eric Miller, and Eric Miller, for full disclosure purposes, is my uncle. And Eric and I have been doing a little project together for about a year now. Uh, back in 84, Eric wrote a book called Passion for Murder, The Homicidal Deeds of Dr. Sigmund Freud. 
and um, we put a website up, and we're trying to – we self-published the book. It had been published in the 80s. What's, what's the name of the website? The, the website is www.passionformurder.com, and uh, we have lots of uh, original essays by Eric. And anyway, that's the introduction. I want to welcome you to our program, Eric Miller. Well, thank you. I would just make one small correction at the beginning. Oh, no, uh, we've already goofed up. <laughs> the the uh, book Passion for Murder was not self-published. That was published by, by a, uh, a publishing company. In 1984. In 1984, and In... then we have reissued it with okay. uh, some minor uh, uh, addendum correction, uh, a very minor, uh, but we've reissued the same, and now we're in the preparation of a new volume. Uh, based on new research. So with that, I'll listen to your questions. Yeah, get your facts straight next time, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry about that, everyone. Um, Eric, uh, the first question that everyone has when I tell them about our project is where and how did you come to this conclusion, this idea that Sigmund Freud was an actual murderer? How did you go down this road? Well, I went down this road when I uh, began research on a, another unrelated book uh, called Cultural Amnesia. I was working with uh, Dr. Emanuel Velikovsky, who uh, in 1950 published a book called Worlds in Collision, and it was an international sensation. And between 1950 and 1970, Emanuel Velikovsky was probably the most famous a controversial intellectual in the world. Uh, he was a close personal friend with Albert Einstein. Uh, he corresponded with Carl Gustav Jung. Uh, he uh, came from a very distinguished Jewish family. His father established the first kibbutzim in Israel, in the new state of Israel. Uh, he uh, established the uh, Universitas Scriptus, uh, which was a uh, encyclopedia for the foundation of the University of Jerusalem. And all in all, he was a, a one of the top uh, uh, scholars, uh, Jewish scholars in the world, and he had the theory of a global catastrophism caused by the passage of the comet Venus to Earth uh, and causing uh, widespread global destructions, and, and that became, he claimed, the basis of all of those stories of, of, of Exodus uh, and other religions throughout the entire world uh, about the world coming to an end and, and all of that. Do you mind if so I anyway, I was researching that. I'm just sure, I'm, go I'm right ahead. curious, how did you, um, let's, let's go into that a little bit. How did sure. you get to know him and, and um, get interested in that? Uh, I was a part owner in a film company, uh, and a friend of mine uh, badgered me for about a year that I should read the Velikovsky uh, uh, book, and I really wasn't interested. I finally got onto it and uh, uh, was uh, kind of stunned uh, with what I read, became very impressed with it, wow. uh, did a lot of independent research to assure myself that, uh, uh, that his scholarship was accurate or in the main correct. I contacted him. Uh, to interview him for a, a film. Uh, I then uh, uh, flew to uh, Princeton where he uh, lived and uh, interviewed him and then uh, we became friends and I started doing research with him and uh, on the basis of uh, work that I was, research that I was doing, he uh, suggested, recommended, uh, pushed me, so to speak, uh, to write the book Cultural Amnesia and as I was researching, uh, that uh, it, it had much to do, I won't go into the details, but it had much to do with devil worship. Oh, okay. uh, the rise of Nazism, for example, uh, they had fire parades. And this uh, uh, Valhalla uh, and the worship of uh, fire uh, and all of this is part of the ancient tradition of catastrophism uh, uh, had emerged again under Nazism. Uh, and it's still always in the cultural background. So I was doing research on uh, that and its association with the planet Venus. Uh, Venus, I don't know uh, if you know, or some of your uh, listeners uh, no doubt will know that uh, Venus, another name for Venus is Satan. Uh, 
And uh, the name Satan was identified by the people who, that, like we say, Allah. Allah means God. You but know, isn't you, uh, Venus also, in, was it Greek culture, associated with the goddess of love? Uh, yes, it was. Uh, Venus is uh, uh, the, the, the oppositional thing, love, hate, uh, fire, water, all, all, of, uh, most, all of the gods throughout all of the ancient world, they possessed uh, both qualities of both the diabolical and the divine. Oh, interesting. Well, I want, I, I want to make sure we have enough time. You, sure, you know, you've given ahead. me another great idea for a podcast, and I think I actually want to do uh, do that one okay. at some future date. I think we, we should arrange for that. But um, I, just so we give enough time to the passion for murder idea, okay. how did that um, – I, well, I, I've, I'm sorry. I've already forgotten his name, or I, I can't remember. Velikovsky. Velikovsky. So Velikovsky personally knew Freud? Velikovsky personally knew Freud. He oh. corresponded with Freud. Uh, he uh, visited Freud on uh, his uh, uh, 70th or uh, birthday in uh, Vienna. Uh, uh, he uh, Velikovsky studied with Steckel, who was a, a student of Freud. Uh, so uh, they, uh, you know, they're all. They def oh. He definitely, he personally... Yeah, he had over, over 17 letters uh, from Freud, for example. Right. And so most Vel of, oh, I'm sorry. Did Velikovsky say something at some point that made you wonder about Freud? Something yes, that he was... yes, he did. That was one of the things, besides his theory of catastrophism, uh, Velikovsky was the first psychoanalyst to ever publish a psychoanalysis of Freud himself. Uh, oh, that's that's interesting. Is he and now is he the only or just the first? He is he, he's not the only. The, everyone who goes through psychoanalysis now who is, goes to a school where they uh, train them to be psychoanalysts, everybody and their uncle and their cousin and their nephews and uh, and in-laws uh, uh, psychoanalyze Freud. Wow. <laughs> it's just, uh, it's, it's an industry. Yeah. Did, did Freud submit himself to Velikovsky for analysis or did Velikovsky no, do the analysis on his own? Uh, he, he did his analysis based upon his reading of his works, not on a personal therapeutic session uh, situation. Did he take, uh, stuff from the letters as part of the analysis? No, he first published uh, his uh, psychoanalysis of Sigmund Freud in 1941. In 1941, there were no personal letters of Freud floating around at all. Oh, okay. Very Velikovsky... little was very little was even known about his personal life. Did Velikovsky still uh, have those letters that he had re yes, received? Yes, his family ha has them, and they're, uh, I believe, in the archives in in, uh, in uh, Jerusalem. Uh, oh, and they're, they're all, yes, and they are also in the uh, Princeton uh, University has the uh, the Velikovsky archives, uh, and you can go online and go to Princeton and go to Velikovsky, and it'll take you right to it, and you will see that Velikovsky was in correspondence with the greatest archaeologists. Uh, see that his theory, he predicted, for example. Uh, and not to go into this, but he made predictions, scientific predictions about the temperature of Venus, about uh, 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 the conditions of the Earth, uh, the stratosphere, uh, all kinds of things that involved a wide range of science. Uh, so he was in, in contact uh, with uh, the most prominent scientists and astronomers uh, in the world. So, so we're basically talking. This guy is kind of a, a kind of a Renaissance guy who is connected to a lot of these top thinkers of his time is what you're yes, saying. Yes, and, and you can just uh, Google uh, Velikovsky, and uh, you will. there's a ton of information uh, at Wikipedia on Velikovsky, his work, uh, critical assessment of it, uh, and everything you'll want to know about it. Cool. But, so I was thinking, when I started thinking about the show, I thought probably the, one of the most compelling ways to tell the story would be to almost make it like a, um, like a crime like a true crime story or almost like a detective story. So 
where uh going back to the kind of original question like where did you just go like there is something more to this there i, I think okay, I'll, I'll, I'll quickly kind of sure. try and get to the heart of it okay so as, as i was uh, doing the work on uh, venus worship and fire worship and all of that stuff i ran on to the into uh, the fact that uh, freud had a fascination if not an obsession with venus hmm. so that's where i started uh, really only interested in the connection between Venus and Venus worship and Freud. And I also wrote a chapter on uh, the rise of Nazism. Uh, so I was looking for current uh, indications of uh, Velikovsky's theory and how it worked. And so uh, that is what launched me into uh, my study of Freud. And I discovered uh, eventually, and to speed this up, you go from, as I said, Venus is another name for Satan. And then I, I found to my surprise and shock that, my God, that Freud was literally identifying with the devil. Interesting. And, so, so he wrote... And called himself the devil. Don't you know I am the devil? Wow. He said. And he had all this peculiar behavior, and he would quote uh, uh, Goethe. Johann Goethe is the, probably the greatest German uh, poet, uh, scientist of... of the last couple centuries. Yeah, don't they? They still have a uh, a, a literature prize. To, uh, yeah, the Goethe Prize. Yeah, and Freud, uh, unfortunately, uh, was the winner of it. Uh, uh, he was the recipient of the Goethe Prize, even. What what publication was that that he won the award for? Uh, for all of his works. For all of his works. Have a lifetime achievement. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the, the um, Goethe Prize for literature. So and, so and culture. You, you, you found a, a bunch of uh, Freud's writings and so forth where he, he referenced Venus in this specific way where he related it to Satan. Uh, I, uh, not that simply, uh, but in essence, uh, the, the, the devil and Satan uh, and Venus, for, you know, kind of forget Venus as a planet now because right, right. then we're moving from astronomy to other area. And it's this other area we're talking about now. If you want to talk to Val about Velikovsky another time, then we'll talk about astronomy. Sure, sure. Uh, so uh, I'll just use the word Venus. And S Satan is Venus. It's okay. just another name for, Ve uh, for Venus. Uh, so, and, and is the devil as we commonly know it. Okay, got it. Uh, and so he is a diabolical person who identifies with evil and... Uh, identifies with being of the nature of and the personification of the devil. Okay, now, well, this that... may seem a little strange. I'll just inject one quick thing, and then I'll uh, listen to your question. Uh, one of the, the new thing, the new page that we're on beyond 1984 when I wrote Passion for Murder, in, the, in that book, uh, which is uh, uh, correct and, and the foundation of everything I've done since then, uh, I used the term homicidal maniac. And by the way, I appraised uh, Velikovsky, worked very closely with him, showed him what I had, and he agreed and, and said, I credit you with the correct psychoanalysis of Sigmund Freud. That, yes, <laughs> in other words, he is a homicidal maniac. Wow. So, so this, this uh, <laughs> Velikovsky, I remembered his name, he, a, a man who personally knew Freud, read yes. your, your, um, your indictment of Freud as a, as a murderer and said, yes, I agree with that. I think you're correct. Yes. Wow. Only he didn't read the book because the book hadn't yet been written. Right. Uh, but all the research that I was the preparatory to writing the book. Okay, now the new day. Uh, here we are, uh, 2009, right? Yes. Okay, so like <laughs> what's, what's new? Well, what's new is that what I just told you about Freud identifying with the devil uh, and all of these uh, odd-sounding, almost hard-to-believe uh, uh, claims, uh, psycho psychically, psychologically, I mean, you know, how would anybody, you know. Uh, well, uh, in 1984, believe it or not, uh, the term serial killer was not in uh, usage. And in fact, it was the very year uh, after, uh, in the same year, but uh, after I published my book, that the uh, FBI behavioral science uh, 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 came up with the forensic profile 
of the serial killer. They worked, they got all the uh, top uh, uh, psychopathologists, uh, they got all the doctors, they got all the detectives together, they got all the crime scenes together. They did a massive uh, undertaking uh, because a rash of serial killers had broken out and the FBI had to determine what kind of an animal were we dealing with that, would, that uh, delighted and relished uh, just murdering people. Uh, and, uh, and they came out with, at the end of 1984, the serial killer profile. So they were um, so so. For example, I think what was it? Uh, Ted Bundy, uh, for example, yeah. is one of the most prominent serial killers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they were looking to see what how can we classify an individual like this, in which we've seen several cases, and they came up with a profile. Yes, okay. what they they literally interviewed, and in some cases they spent hundreds of hours interviewing interviewing individual serial killers. They studied all of their crime scenes. They studied their uh, psychological profile. They studied their biography. They interviewed their neighbors, on and on and on and on, to find out what are the characteristics in common do we find amongst serial killers so that when we know that one of them has committed a crime, we know something about them, we can target them. And on the most more optimistic side, uh, what can we do to stop that type of a creature from developing in our societies and terrorizing uh, our families and our children, our, our country, our nation, the world? So uh, every country in the world now has a serial killer uh, profile. Uh, you know, it's it's came into existence right on the cusp of me publishing my book. All right, Eric, when um, you were starting to delve into Freud and you're starting to suspect some of this stuff um you also looked at his theories and uh in chapter one for passion for murder you talk about some of this you talk yes. about freud putting murder at the heart of the human psyche and yes. that I, is the oedipus yes so can you talk about how you you developed that idea not only had freud explicitly talked about that in his theories of human thought and behavior but you saw that in his actions in his life and you know, and then when you saw evidence that you believed he had actually killed someone. Well, uh, uh, I'm uh, all my life, uh, and long before I ever came upon the subject of Freud, I have been a student of uh, cultures uh, and an analytical, very analytical person. I'm a poet. I studied, uh, you know, many. Nietzsche, uh, uh, you know, many of the profound thinkers, the philosophers, uh, Greek, Roman, uh, German, all around the world. I, I had dedicated my life to culture and analyzing culture. Uh, so when it came to the subject of, of Freud, and uh, first I, I read The Interpretation of Dreams. That's his most famous book. After I got on to finding... Uh, uh, here and there scattered, you know, these comments of relationship to the devil and so and so. So then I was, that was my subject. Was this guy really identifying with the devil? I mean, this is amazing, right? So I read the interpretation of dreams. I read all of his works, 24 volumes. And I read them over and I read them over. And I was preparing a book on Freud as a homicidal maniac. Again, the serial killer profile hadn't yet even been developed and that's what I was publishing and then just as I was getting ready to go to press uh, I literally it was like I had read one last thing uh, I oh I reread the interpretation of dreams again after for the third or fourth time uh, then and we were already scheduled to go to press uh, then I literally heard in my ear, almost like a auditory hallucination, <laughs> Freud saying to me, I murdered John. And it's John. <laughs> John uh, is called by Freud in the interpretation of dreams, his nephew. Now, um, uh, this, this character, or this person, he was a historical person of John, is one of the key people his name in, is john freud and and he's actually his half brother his half brother this is one yeah. of the key one of the key uh clues if, if you will that kind of led you down this road um i knew he was a murderer 
I, I knew that he was uh, uh, totally obsessed with murder. Uh, and I knew of other cases where people had died, even, uh, and that he was directly involved with. But I didn't, uh, I didn't think until that last reading, and, and, and it just came to me clearly, uh, that Freud, the, in other words, what I discovered was the final key. The key is that the key to the interpretation of dreams is, is itself primarily a murder confession to murdering John Freud, his half-brother. Okay, let's let's. That's go the back. intention of it. That's the, at the heart of it, and it's so easy to believe and to prove. Once you know, once you uh, you 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 what, you suspect someone of being a killer and a murderer, then right. guess then you find uh, you go into his house one day and you find he's got a revolver in his hand and there's dead bodies, uh, one in the kitchen, one in the living room, one in the bedroom, uh, and the, the bullet that's in the body uh, came from the same gun. And it, and it's his house. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's not much doubt about it. Let's. Why don't you give um, our listeners and and me um, a little rundown? Because I, you know, I I don't know that uh, Freud's life to that intimately. So, um, talk about this brother. And this is one of the things that Greg told me about when he was explaining the book that I found really compelling. Talk about this this brother, how he shows up in the historical record, and then Greg says. Um, he just okay. kind of disappears from the uh, from records. Yes. Okay. And and I'm I'm kind of getting good at this because I've been out of for so long, and so I can communicate quickly uh, to someone who doesn't have any special interest uh, in this field or anything. But it's a fascinating murder mystery, especially from one of the most famous people in world history. Now, what I just said about the interpretation of dreams. Here's how. Anyone can proceed, and any reader that is listening to us now can test out whether this guy is crazy or if there's something possibly to it. Just go and get yourself a copy of the Interpretation of Dreams. Turn to the index. Turn to John Freud. Just read everything that Freud says about John Freud, but don't read any of the footnotes. In other words, you start reading something about John Freud, then, then there's a number one, and then there's a footnote. No, no no disturbances, no interruptions. Just read what is on the page without reading any footnotes. And you will find, and every reader will find, that he never mentions John without mentioning one important point, and that is that he wanted to murder him. Wow. So, so give us just a little biographical sketch of uh, the Freud family and um, and John and, okay. and Sigmund. Like, I don't even—is is this a younger brother or an older brother? Actually, it's it's or, a strange brother, right? it's a strange thing. Now, in in the course of uh, accommodating your first uh, wish, I'll answer your second one. Okay. And that is, uh, as to the family, Freud came from a family of sexual perverts and, and criminals. Really? Yes. Okay. And uh, and there and there was a he had he was raised with with believing that he had a twenty year old a twenty year older half brother and a twenty four year older half brother. Freud's uh, supposed father Jacob uh, had two sons before he had another family by his third wife which was Amalia, who was Freud's mother. There was a second wife that he had, and she mysteriously disappeared, and he lied about it in written attestations, and various scholars have speculated that, well, maybe he did away with her. I don't doubt that he did away with her. Uh, he is, probably is, did away Sigmund, with the first one, too. This, this is, is the father, father. Sigmund's okay. father. His oh, grandfather, father. really, <laughs> yeah. but nominally his father. Okay. Okay. So, Sigmund, uh, the family all lived together in Freiburg, which was in Moravia, which is uh, Czechoslovakia, and at the age of uh, uh, three, they all split up. Uh, Amalia, Freud's mother, was screwing everybody. It was screwing uh, Emmanuel, uh, that's uh, one of the sons, and Philip, the other one, and also the grandfather. So she was having relations with her own stepson, you allege? Yes. S stepsons. 
step science. <laughs> you know, no, not no, what, if, if you don't mind, if I if I push back a little bit on this, no, go right what, ahead. What what is the evidence that you have for that? Uh, the evidence of it is primarily to start with Freud's own uh, claims. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. He's the one that claims it. Wow. All and right. he's the one that reveals it. And wow. he reveals it not only in his private letters, but he also reveals it in the books that he wrote. Now, improbable as that may seem, this is the one thing that, that really has to be understood. That, and that it's the primary thing. In other words, I just say, uh, waive your uh, 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 reservations. And just for a moment, assume that, that Sigmund Freud really is a serial killer. Okay, once you do that, you, you've accomplished a big step. Because do you know that even amongst the class of murderers, serial killers constitute like, uh, you know, less than one half of one percent of all the murderers in the world are serial killers. Yeah, that's true. They are a strange uh, 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 bird. Yeah. A very, very strange bird, and they have characteristics and family, background, <laughs> genetic history. They have all kinds of things in common. That's what makes them all serial killers. So, that said, serial killers love, they, they love to, see, they, they, they think that it's an accomplishment, it's an achievement when they kill people. They don't think so they did some terrible thing that they're so they're just uh, horrified over themselves and they hang their head and uh, want to go into the closet. They're bursting with pride and they want to tell the whole world about it. It's like a little kid who did doo doo for the first time. He yeah. wants to say, "Hey, looky here! Well, looky uh, here!" Eric, aren't there? Uh, there's uh, <laughs> that's not always true, uh, is it? I mean, when um, the guy in Milwaukee. Oh, Dahmer. Dahmer. Yeah. Didn't he admit to feeling some remorse? Well, Dahmer's kind of, if you don't mind me jumping in here, Eric, Dahmer's kind of in a different case because um, they believe that uh, his his father actually wrote a, did, Have you happened to read uh, Jeffrey Dahmer's father's book about him? I, I have not read the book, but I've, I've, I've seen a, a number of hours of uh, interviews that he's been in, and I and I do know about the Dahmer case. He, he does feel that... Um, Jeffrey Dahmer, like one of the, he thinks that the, there was something about a lack of oxygen when he was born that caused brain damage. Um, yeah. I think he had a, the umbilical cord wrapped around his neck yeah. or something. And is that is that right, Eric? By your memory? Uh, I don't have a specific yeah, memory I, of that particular thing that you're saying, but, he's, he's, but I do know because I have studied serial killers for a number of years, and I've and, read a number of books about them. And um, uh, I do know that most, and and most of the time in most families, uh, you know, when when you have a, a, a literally a freak, yeah, you know, uh, like that, you want an explanation, and right. you know, genetic, they must have had the wrong medicine, you know, there must be some, you know, explanation of it, yeah. and there are a lot of explanations that one can go into, probable, right. hypothetical, uh, speculative. Uh, explanations of what causes a serial killer. Yeah. And anyone who really studies the subject of serial killers somewhat in depth, you know, is aware of that. There's all kinds of, uh, of factors that uh, are, are thought to be maybe contributors of the condition of being a serial killer. Yeah. Uh, there's hypothalamic, there's brain dysfunction, uh, there's genetic inheritance. There's uh, sexual abuse as a child. Uh, you know, uh, it goes on and on and on, you know, in terms of... So, you are right, though, in what you just said about Dahmer, and I agree with you that Dahmer, I believe, is somewhat different. Yeah, he's he's different from other from other serial killers. I don't want to go too far down that path. It'll take us away from what we're talking about. Well, but, but when you say, and I don't mean to be... Uh, Imperious, <laughs> no, uh, but, but, but well, I said say, it anyway, Eric. It was uh, Greg that said that. That first, I just wanted. I had heard that okay. uh, some serial killers felt some sort of remorse. Maybe it's a tension between pride and remorse. I don't. Well, know. It's, so, here's the thing. You know, we're dealing with, so far as we know, biologically, 
categorized, we are dealing with human beings. Now, whether there is such a thing as a subhuman that for whatever reason does, just doesn't quite get there to the state of being a human being, that to me is a very real question. And I don't think there's even an answer to that. Is there such a thing as just a bad seed? Is it possible? Well, well he, hey, maybe there, maybe so. That's another episode we could have. You know, may, maybe it's not diet. Maybe maybe it's spiritual. Maybe it's evil. Yeah. Um, uh, who, who is to say with certainty? Uh, and I can tell you right now, no one can say with certainty. Yeah, Eric, we totally agree. Um, let's see. We'll kind of try to stick to uh, your book, which is fascinating sure. enough and could keep us going for hours. Sure. But we only have about 45 minutes, so about 15 minutes to go here. Okay. Um, one of the... Cutting me short, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to keep you at that uh, high level. Okay. I know you know this so well, inside and out, that... Uh, yeah. Well, there's always things to learn. <laughs> uh, but one thing I wanted to uh, draw attention to uh, as we're talking about this is in Chapter 6, yes. you talk about the story of Freud's younger brother, Julius, who yes. allegedly died as an infant. Could you talk about yes. how you – what your view of Julius is and how he relates to John? Yes. Uh, here is my uh, take uh, quickly on Julius. Uh, it is a fact that there, and and it's in my book, I publish what purports to be uh, his death certificate. Now, when you ask me, do, do you, can you, Eric, can you categorically say, and do you really believe that there really was uh, uh, a, uh, a, a younger brother of Freud's called Julius? I would have to say I, 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 uh, we're still out, we're still deliberating on that one. I can't say that there really was. But here's the story. And the reason why I, uh, it's hard for me to say it is that Freud confesses to many, many times, and many times in the interpretation of dreams, and I pointed out in my book many times, that he, uh, the fact of playing Brutus to Caesar, to Julius Caesar, Julius Caesar, Brutus, Brutus killed Julius Caesar, and he says that he acted in a play with his brother John, or his, his nephew, uh, as, as he's called, his nephew John Freud. We're talking about John Freud, you know. Uh, and he says that he played Brutus to, to John Freud, and John Freud played the part of Caesar. And I document in, my, in the new book uh, that, the, that that's got to be a lie, because I've, I've got the evidence when, when John... Uh, was there in town, and I've got a new document coming from the Library of Congress right now. Anyway, the whole point is that, that Freud never anywhere ever mentions the name of this uh, brother who was a, a year, who, was, who, believe it or not, died when, when Sigmund was 19 months old. Well, I have, and we've posted it on our website now. Uh, I, I believe we posted it. If we don't have it yet, it's ready to, to be posted. And that is, I go and I show that, that 19 years equals, that 19 months actually equals 19 years. So Freud uh, constantly talks about how he has these murder impulses for uh, John when he is not yet two. Well, not yet two is 19, and guess what? It's 19 when he killed John. 19 years. Yes. He talks about his death. Freud got the world to believe that when, when, when Sigmund was between the ages of 6 and 19 months old, that he was a raging homicidal maniac and, and desperately wanted to murder John and also his one-year younger brother, who died at, the, at 19, uh, uh, 19 months, whereas it's a fact that uh, I believe and can prove, uh, it's a fact that he murdered John when he was 19 years old, not months old. Oh, okay, so let's, let's jump a first. So that's part of the, uh, but that's, that's part of the, the puzzle and the game, and once you solve it and you say, oh, I see what you're doing, okay, here's your code, Sigmund, oh, for, when you say not yet two, that means 19. Uh, when you say uh, uh, 
uh, all these things that you wanted to murder uh, uh, everybody when you were uh, a year and a half old, uh, that's not a year and a half. That's 15 months old. Right. So let's talk to with the listeners a little bit about yes. that because that's kind of ties into um, what Freud was talking about. It that's his Oedipal complex, right? Yeah. Talks where he talks about having like children having murderous impulses towards their father. And, well, and yeah, it's not only mother. that they. Uh, pardon me for interrupting. No, you no, there, no, but uh, you you make a good point, and and I think it should be underscored. And we can do it quickly this way. That here Freud has a theory which is called the Oedipal complex, which everybody knows. And what is the Oedipal complex? The Oedipal complex is a theory that every living child on this planet is born with an instinctual urge to murder his father and to have sex with his mother. Now, I'm sorry to say it, but it is pathetic that our culture and our educational system and our universities and all the mothers and fathers of the world didn't stand up and just say in one huge chorus uh, resounding from every corner of the globe, what a crock of BS. Yeah. <laughs> I, I tend to. But I they tend, didn't. Yeah, and they I, believed it. And they yeah. got professors. And yeah. they start paying them salaries. And they, and they became the true believers. And then you became a Freudian. And then to be a psychoanalyst was like being an Einstein. Right, you know, right. the superminds. And these superminds know more than we do. And here's a nice little uh, point right here. Sophie Freud, Freud's granddaughter, has in a statement on our website that she said that it, she, it's incredulous that women the world over believed her grandfather against the evidence of their own bodies uh, his theories of uh, uh, penal uh, uh, penis worship and uh, uh, blah, 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 all yeah, these right. uh, bizarre uh, things that are part of the Oedipal complex story. Right, right. And she said that, that, that they believed him over the, quote, evidence of their own bodies. And that's a fact, and that's what's pathetic. Yeah, it's, and, it's, it's fairly safe to say, though, that nowadays that um, his, Freud's theories are pretty much on the outs with m most people that uh, practice the, in the field of psychology and uh, psychiatry. Is, is that correct? Is that a correct statement? That's partially correct. Yeah. I, I had a conversation with this about uh, with my daughter, uh, who is a lawyer, and my uh, grandson, who's uh, 11 years old. <laughs> uh, just uh, literally a couple, a couple days ago, and uh, my daughter uh, says, uh, "Dad, uh, you know, uh, tell uh, uh, tell Danny what uh, uh, you know what the, what the, the theory is. You know what 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 is this thing?" And I just said, well, "Simply, Danny, there's this this guy in the last century uh, who was literally crazy, uh, and he taught uh, everybody." Uh, and tried to get everybody to believe that he was a super brain and a, and a great genius uh, because he could prove that everybody's dreams, whatever, whoever you are, whatever you dream about, that ultimately there's a solution that someone can figure out what that dream means. And, and when he figures it out, this, the conclusion is that the person who had the dream was a murderer. So I, I know I just hate to do this because it's all this stuff like literally. Like, <laughs> and, and, he, and he says, "Really?" <laughs> <laughs> and I says, "Yeah." I says, "He's just crazy," you know. Yeah. So there's just there's so this material is so rich that we could just like we yeah. could go on for hours and hours. But well, there just, may be a public demand for us to, <laughs> to do just that, and so, we'll, and I'll, uh, I'll I'll do my part. But let's just get to, I you know I guess let's get to the. Sure. The most like inside edition, sensationalistic part of it, because okay. I know that's what a lot of people want to hear, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, and uh, let's talk about. So let me let me if I can recap. Basically, you believe that Freud um, and you, you have a lot of evidence for it in your book that unfortunately we can't really get into depth in. But you right. believe that uh, the, the family that he came from, that the father was not really the father. He was a grandfather. Correct. And that he had uh, two older brothers. Am I getting that correct? 
two older uh, half brothers? Uh, he had two uh, supposed half brothers. One of them, of course, was his father, and the other one was, of course, his uncle. Right. Okay. So, oh, okay. and then he had one ten-year younger uh, brother right. named Alexander. Okay. And then he had five sisters. And so the 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 person, the, the member of his family that you believe was his, was his father was uh, Johann or John? Does is it John? That we uh, the one who was his father was named Emmanuel. Oh, and Emmanuel. Emmanuel was John's uh, uh, father and Sigmund's father. Okay. Okay. And so his brother John, his brother, yeah, his half brother John, uh yeah, I'm sorry, half brother John disappears at age 18, and you you believe that Sigmund Freud murdered him? Okay, this is good, and I'll get right to the heart of this one. Uh, For all those years that I spent researching, and then once I I dawned on, okay, boom, he killed John. So then I went finding out. Well, whatever happened to John? And I concluded that there's, I know what happened to him. Freud murdered him when he went to visit. See, the family split up, right? And the, and the, two, uh, uh, the two sons of Jacob uh, uh, fled to uh, England uh, and took their wife because there was all this, uh, everybody was having sex with everybody else. He's over 40 years old, and his, and his wife, Amalia, is only 19. He was a, a rag picker, and he dealt in suet, and she came from a, uh, a, a scholarly, uh, supposedly uh, somewhat wealthy uh, family, and they were Orthodox Jews, and he was a, uh, a, a, no, a, a wandering Jew uh, from God only knows where with uh, whatever. Anyway, so the, and there's no, re- no history of them ever even having a relationship. Anyway, Emmanuel, Jacob's son, uh, knocked up Amalia, Freud's mother. Uh, they were all living together. They're all having sex together. Uh, sons, uh, you know, blah blah. And then they had a big, uh, either a fallout or they were made a, had a criminal plan, which I'll tell about later. Do you mind, do you mind if I jump in here because sure. I want to? I want to emphasize and, yes. um, that because it's, it's quite a it's quite a shocking claim to you know say that the family was had the, this incestuous relationship. But you say that Freud, in, in your reading of Freud. He says this in personal letters and in his writing. Yes. Okay. I just, I just want yeah, to make so that I clear. Want, so I, I, what I'm trying to get across here, this isn't just me right. coming up, you know, dreaming up these things, you, you know. Uh, as, uh, uh, for example, uh, who is Freud's real father? You can pick up any book, any book on Freud by anyone, and they're going to say Jacobs is his father. And yet you can turn to the psychopathology of everyday life, and, and you, or you can go to our website, and you will see that Freud himself says that he was told by Emmanuel that in the future you must not consider yourself a member of the second generation in relationship to your father, Jacob, but the third generation. Now, well, I'm here to tell you, just one second, I'm here to tell you that no one has a father that has a third generation relationship to him. That okay. only can obtain to logically to a grandfather. Yeah, um, that that makes sense. So Emmanuel himself believed he was the father, but you know yes. that was the days we he wrote letters to him. He came to see him, my dearest brother. Uh, you know, he had this, and he had his own family. But you know, would Emmanuel himself had been able to know? I mean, if he was having relations with his stepmom, yeah, his cause, father cause she, was also having relations with his stepmom. Yeah, who but, knows but, who the father is? But first, she got knocked up. And he was already married. Emmanuel was already married, and he had, and he just had John. Uh, and uh, she is pregnant and uh, comes from an Orthodox Jewish family, uh, and abortion is not an option. So they marry her off to Jacob. Oh, okay. So you're she didn't saying... have any relationship with Jacob before she got knocked oh, up by okay. Emmanuel, who was 24 and she was 19. Okay, at the, and at the time, actually, he was about 22, oh, gotcha. and she was 19. They're the same age. So Emmanuel had got together with him. Uh, yes, with Amalia, he got her. He Jacob. impregnated her, and then to save her reputation, the the Emmanuel's father married her and got rid of and probably murdered the wife that he had at the time, so she dis- she mysteriously Rebecca. disappears too. 
Okay, okay, that wasn't clear to me, and I've read the book a couple times. Yeah, and then, uh, then Freud himself says that, that he suspected that Philip, that's the other brother, uh, you know, uh, his uncle, uh, in reality, uh, it, uh, the, uh, so the authority that, they, that there was sex uh, in, in the family, uh, Freud himself says that it was his belief, and he has the dreams about it, and he translates the dreams, and he says that he believed that Philip was having sex with his mother. Okay, Eric, uh, we're getting toward the end here, but uh, we've talked a lot about John. Oh, then one last thing. Uh, then, of all things, and this is open, that you can read any biography of Freud, the official biographies, and they'll say that F Freud went to England, and they were trying to arrange for him, and this is overt and said, this is not something I concluded from reading someone's dream. This is, you know, stated in black and white, that uh, they were trying to arrange a, a marriage between Sigmund and his niece, supposed niece, but it's really his half-sister, uh, Pauline. And they do that without embarrassment or anything. Yeah. Uh, it, it's an incestuous family. The whole family yeah. was incest. And, and he was having relationships, sex with, uh, with his mother, and his uh, brothers were having sex with everyone. And there's a letter, and I'll end with this, that I just uh, translated from Spanish that Freud wrote in Spanish, where he says, and you, uh, uh, since we're, uh, I'll just put it in the vernacular, uh, Freud says, uh, using the street language, that we don't allow sexual relations with uh, family members in our family as you suppose. But he uses the, uh, the common vernacular uh, uh, for sex. Uh, and, and to write a, a letter uh, to his friend saying that the, you, you suppose that, <laughs> that our family is all having sex with each other and uh, I so mean, let's, uh, let's get out a couple let's get out a couple quick things because sure. we, you, you talk about um, and we unfortunately we just don't have enough time to I know. go into it but um, there's also uh, some of the the patients um, maybe if you can give a quick rundown because your allegation is that Freud was a serial murderer so that that implies more than just one, obviously. Yeah. Um, to be a serial killer, you have to uh, uh, you have to kill uh, three or more people, and it has to be there has to be a cooling off period be between each murder. So, so it's not like a mass murder you're going to kill three people at one right. time in a restaurant. Right. No, so, it's got to be over time, and there has to be distance and time between them. And he's got, I think, six or seven. Uh, I, I have it posted on the, our website, uh, which you can go to, and I've uh, enumerated them. Uh, named them when they uh, when they died, what the, his relationship with them uh, was. Uh, he's got a string of people that he let's, killed. Let's take. Besides, he also killed hundreds. <laughs> so, and the, and uh, just real fast, how he killed hundreds. And this is medical history. And I have a correspondence with one of the greatest uh, uh, medical historians uh, in, in the world, uh, who's the only female member of the Royal Academy of. Uh, of uh, science uh, in England, or high, the mo one of the most prestigious uh, scholarly organizations in the world. And she has written a book uh, that documents the fact that Freud became a cocaine addict. Uh, he, he killed uh, this guy that he loved and hated, like he loves and hates everybody else. He came out with a phony uh, 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 cure for morphine addiction, uh, and his cure was using unlimited amounts of cocaine yeah. he put <laughs> that, that he published work, it right? he published it as a case history claimed that he had uh, saved and cured uh, this guy who died and that he killed yeah. uh, and, he, and but he claimed that he had cured him and and that went out to the uh, all around the world and it, there was a epidemic of uh, morphinism they call it people addicted to morphine and they all uh, leaped at it like a, uh, a uh, you know, a, a star in the sea, you know, they're sinking, and they all started giving their patients uh, these uh, doses of cocaine, like Freud said, and, and they died by the hundreds. Wow. Eric, I, I had a question. You know, I've, like I mentioned, I've read the book twice, and I've enjoyed it. Uh, there's one victim you mentioned, and I'm not sure you ever went into how uh, Freud killed him. Uh, uh, the alleged victim is Joseph Panath, and you mentioned that you believe that Freud killed him. I just wonder uh, what his story is. Well, that's a very good one, a good point for you to raise, 
and it's and it's and it's one that I that if it weren't for Freud's insistence on the fact that he murdered him, I would never include it amongst uh, the people that he killed. And I say that because, so far as we know, uh, 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 Joseph Paneth, uh, who was a very wealthy uh, Jewish friend of his, that Freud constantly borrowed money from. Uh, and that Freud said that uh, that he uh, because he uh, because he was ambitious uh, uh, I slew him. Mm. Uh, this is all in the interpretation of dreams. These are Freud's own confessions, and Freud repeats over and over the fact uh, that that he wanted to kill, and gives every indication that he did kill Joseph Paneth. Joseph death? Joseph Paneth supposedly died by tuberculosis. Okay. And that was a common disease at the time. And, and let me just add this one thing. I know time is very short now. Uh, and here's the thing I, I want to add. See, the, 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 one of the odd things about serial killers is that really in terms of the profile of the serial killer, uh, that, that uh, Freud insists on it, and he gives examples and dreams, and he interprets his dreams as his desire to murder him, he says that when he's awake and when Joseph Panoff is having his funeral, the thoughts that went through his mind as he was uh, lines from Julius Caesar, uh, as he was ambitious, I loved him and so and so, but as he was ambitious, I slew him. Mm. Unquote. That's what Freud says was his waking thoughts wow. when he went to the memorial to, uh, to, for his death. And he has many dreams where he says the same thing. Now, this is the bottom line point. The odd thing is when you're really when you're dealing with a serial killer, I tell you they they frequently uh, will confess to murders that they never even committed. Yeah. So who who other than, and in fact I would say this, other than a child, a very young child, or someone who is really sub mental, uh, you know, uh, has a severe uh, mental retardation. Uh, no one else in the entire world would go uh, around uh, admitting uh, uh, that they killed and murdered uh, people that they didn't murder other than serial killers. Yeah, that's an interesting point. So, unfortunately, we've got to wrap it up. But, um, okay. <laughs> and maybe if you, I know, if you could keep this down to maybe like a yes or, or no okay, question, I'm just going to ask like two questions. Okay. Um, one is, was there anybody contemporary with Freud – who who expressed in a letter or uh, uh you know or a journal entry uh or anything that they that they felt at that time that Freud was uh involved in murder uh one of the, the most famous and most prestigious scholars of the medical community of Vienna Austria which was one of the highest uh, accomplished uh, institutions of science in the world at the time uh, was uh, asked about Freud, and he says, this is not a matter of science, this is a matter for the police. Oh. <laughs> Quote, unquote, Waymeyer, Dr. So Waymeyer. had their suspicions back in the day. Everybody had their suspicions. And and I guess my, my second question is, um, was was there ever any police involvement? Was there ever any police investigation of Freud in any, in any way, even if it not in murder? When a doctor gets certified for a degree, he has to go through an automatic uh, police uh, in, uh, examination. Uh, Freud wrote in his letter uh, to uh, Martha, his fiancée, when he was going to it, he says, uh, don't worry, I, I'm resolved to tell them nothing. <laughs> okay, well, you know, gosh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, there's so much. Oh, oh, oh and he it's... would have gone to jail, if not prison, if not executed. For a number of these cases of people that I've identified that he killed, I'm not the I'm not the only one that knows this. They knew it at the time, and his doctor friends came in and protected him. Wow. And Freud even said about the ones that he addicted to cocaine, uh, "quote He says uh, that I received severe rebuke from the authorities wow. for hastening the death of my dear friend, Doctor Fleischel." Wow. So, so Eric, uh, if you don't mind me here a second, Greg, I think what we, we have here is, uh, opportunity for another show, Good. uh, 
uh, first about, and I'm going to forget his name again. I'm terrible at that. I'm sorry. Velikovsky. Velikovsky. And then I think we should do a show where we just stick to the people you believe were victims of Freud and go through the evidence with that. And and we could get into a lot of his quotes that you think are connected to that. I think we should just do a whole show about that. Okay, uh, good. And you can and look at my website and you'll see I've got it posted there who his victims are. And, uh, and then you can have that in hand, and then you can ask me questions that 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 might trigger. Yeah, a shameless plug. The website is passionformurder.com. Uh, we recently put up another website, freefreudinfo.com. Uh, Eric, you mentioned you can read Interpretation of Dreams. Well, we have it for free on the web. So yes. you can go there. It's a PDF file. You can download it or read yes. it online. And sure. Eric, just want to thank you for your time, and thank you for being a good uncle and a good business partner. Although we haven't sold many books, but well, hey, this uh, the is flood is yet to come. This is fascinating stuff, and uh, Andy's getting a kick out of it. And uh, we're going to put this podcast on the web, and uh, hopefully, someone who has an interest in this will, uh, you know, good. Yeah, the, us the bottom bottom line is the public should know how severely we were duped. Well, it's a cr- criminal. Okay. It's a criminal conspiracy that got. It's not just because people weren't weren't smart. It's right. a criminal conspiracy of corrupting letters, falsifying documents, all kinds of stuff. We'll go into it another time. All right. Hey, Eric. Thanks so much for being. You're going to be our first uh, interview that we've had on my our show. first victim, huh? <laughs> well, by the way, you're the inspiration for the whole podcast. Well, good. Uh, I'm glad I to hear it. that to Andy. I had talked to you about uh, having you interviewed on the radio, and Andy said, "Why don't we do it?" And then he said, why don't we just do our own podcast? So I like the way that Andy thinks. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Eric Miller, author of Passion for Murder, thank you very much for joining us tonight. And thank you, and good night to one and all. Goodbye. Goodbye. Well, our thanks to Eric Miller, the author of Passion for Murder. Uh, if you want to find out more about his book and his writings, just go check out passionformurder.com. Um. Well, I think it went pretty well for our first uh, interview, and we hope to have many more uh, because just listening to the two of us blab will get kind of boring, I think. So we hope you enjoyed it, and tune in next time. Thanks. Bye.